Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. It's all I want. She's blonde, five foot two. It's all I need, yeah. And one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. This is my America. Don't be alarmed. I am none of those things because I am Justin Hart. In for Andrea K tonight. Good evening, San Diego. It's just after six here. So glad to have you with us here. Wow, what a what a crazy news day. There's stuff happening over in Russia. There's stuff happening over in Israel. Obviously, we've got financial meltdowns and Twitter release codes. And then, and on top of that, a school shooting. You've got a news day in front of you. Let's talk about that issue since it's front and center, very prescient, and probably worthy of our discussion here. Uh, this happened in Nashville. It was a classical Christian or a Christian school, uh, grade school, so up to grade six. And uh, a 28-year-old came in. I believe three children were killed and uh, two teachers, including the shooter, then taken out by police. Now, on paper, you would look at this and say, well, it was uh, uh, another young male with guns who did the shooting. Now, this is where it gets a little touchy. Because that is not the case necessarily, as it turns out this was a transgender man, 28-year-old. So it was a biological woman who is referred to himself, I get these all wrong, he, him, right? And he perpetrated this terrible, terrible incident. Now, I, I am all for affording people exactly what they you know, would like to be known as and how they want to uh, aspire to in life. But if you kill six people, am I still obligated to do that? Especially when it skews some of the stats you really want to understand, which is why did this transpire? Was this part of kind of a cultural tension that is definitely felt there across the country, definitely felt there in Tennessee? Why did they perpetrate that? And how do you count that, right? This is a this is a rare, rare event. I don't think this happens very often when you have a female who is the perpetrator of a mass shooting at a school. And so, with, with that incident involved, we have to kind of ask these questions: What is this? What does this all mean? Let's uh, let's get some context around this. I want to go to the police chief. This is uh, Nashville police chief uh, talking about the the killer here and and what transpired. Let's go to this clip. Yes, from our investigations tell us that she was a former student uh, at the school. I don't know what grade she's attended or grades, but we do uh, firmly believe she was a student there. Did she identify as transgender? She does uh, ident- identify as transgender, yes. Is there any reason to believe the shooter first went to the church before going to the school? Uh, I can't give you that information. Should we know that the minute the calls came in, we responded uh, to the church, so to the school. To the school. Yeah. 
this you could see the the police chief kind of struggling with it too right this is the the challenge that you have in our modern society is where we have sort of imposed language walking on eggshell moments and and i understand that he wants to be sensitive but also he wants to tell the truth there's con that that context is pretty important so uh obviously this doesn't naturally conform to the usual mode that you expect in this narrative so you might see this kind of, um, as they call, uh, black hold until uh, by breakfast here. That is memory hold. They'll just kind of throw it down memory lane there. I, I hope that's not the case because there's some important things we need to discuss there. And if this person really was a student, I'm guessing there were some issues that either they experienced um, and, and, you know, I, I have experience even in my own extended family with these issues, so I'm sensitive to them as well. But my goodness, I mean, the, the, it's a really interesting phenomenon in the culture today. The the kids today in Gen Z, and you guys who know me know I have eight kids, and they span the range born in 94 and born in 2021. So I, I got them all, and I got two stepkids mixed in there. So I've seen it all. But they, you know, the latest generation, it went from like uh, 5% of Gen X, my generation, identifying as LGBTQ, to about 20% of the current crop of kids identifying in that realm. A lot of them choose the B in the LGBTQ for whatever reason. And I think it's probably a nod to some of the cultural tensions that they feel. Maybe it's some of the sort of, you know, kindness that they want to demonstrate to people that have been aggrieved over the years and have been, uh, you know, maligned. Uh, but now it's, you know, these these marginalized groups, they're praised. You come out, you're just, you know, you get a lot of attention. So there's a lot of pressure there. Interestingly enough, when they talk about sort of the the practices, that is, what kind of partner do you choose? If you identify as LGBTQ, and although that's gone up like 12 points over the last like 10 years, the actual uh, identification of a partner uh, in, in, you know, a romantic way has only gone up three. And that's, uh, you know, it's just a biological reality. I know my own extended family. I had a, a I had a friend uh, who was I won't say what what relation but I will just say she had been flying rainbows from here to eternity God bless her it was great you know over high school but as soon as she hit college she got a boyfriend and still with him so I mean it's hard to fight biology and it's very possible that we will look down the road of this shooting and look at it and say you know what. Uh, that sort of fight against biology may have been one of the causes that sort of primed the pump on this terrible incident. I don't know. I don't want to jump conclusions. And I know this is a sensitive subject, but you have to be honest and rigorous about this. And so I, 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 I don't envy the police chief or anyone else involved there. But as I mentioned, there are some real generational challenges we have here. Uh, poll out today from Wall Street Journal that was published talked about the difference in the view of America in a generation past and the view now. 65-year-olds, about 60% of them feel very strong about patriotism. And overall, across the country in 1998, 70% of the country felt very proud about calling themselves patriots. Now that's down to 38%. The view of religion was at 60%, 63% 
felt that they were religiously inclined, and that was 1998. That's down to 39%. And when you get down to the generations, that is anyone who's 30 years and, and younger, it's it's not a pretty scene. So there's some challenges there. The people that I have in studio with me today know all about the changing times and the difficulties and the burdens that our young children face. Um, I want to introduce you guys to Rebecca and Leon Worthen, who are volunteers with this awesome project called the Rad Movement, right? Correct. Now, tell us, guys, so thank you so much for being in here. We have just a few minutes left in the segment. We're going to take you over for these next two ones because I think this is vitally important. Tell us about this group, this organization, and just a brief overview, and then we'll we'll have some more discussions on some of the stories you have. Sure. Well, the RAD Movement is a local organization um, born out of the East County. Shari Finn is the CEO and founder of the organization. She's definitely a woman that the community has gotten behind. She's very effective. She was inspired to do this work uh, because of her own experiences um, with this type of work and having a mom reach out to her and saying, you know what, you've had this happen to your family. Can you help navigate this problem with my family? And from that, the RAD movement was born. And this problem is kids wayward running away and finding basically somewhere else to go wander off of life in very dangerous times. And there's certain state laws here in California that don't allow people to sort of track that down, and that's where you guys come into play. Correct. And so, what what transpires, Leon? What just we have about thirty seconds before we go to break. But what is happening here? Yeah, thanks for having us on, Justin. Um, I, you know, kids these days spend a lot of time on the internet um, and they have their phones in their hands uh, and they're on a lot of social media. Yeah. It's they get influenced by others and a lot of times predators uh, and. Folks that don't have their best interests uh, in mind are engaging them online um, and convincing them that they need to do things that uh, they shouldn't be doing. Um, and, and there's very little recourse unless the, the person's in single digits, right? If they're over the age of 12, 13, 14, there's not a lot of recourse you have here in California. Is that right? That is correct. We'll talk about Senate Bill 1322 and uh, how that's impacted law enforcement's ability to do their job and helping families. All right. We're going to come back to break here in just a minute. Leon and Rebecca Worthen are here from the RAD movement. This is Justin Harden for Andrea K. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. All right. Justin Hart in for Andrea K tonight on KCBQ. I had this really interesting experience. I've got the Worthens here who are part of the RAD movement, a group that helps families track down their kids who have gone wayward. The state has very little recourse to track down these what are essentially runaways, but frequently helped by people who have ill intent for these young kids. I have my own experience with this. I was uh, I, I was living in Virginia, but I was remote at work in Santa, in Santa Monica in L.A. And uh, I posted, I saw someone post on Facebook, my nephew has gone missing. He's 17 years old. This is like five years ago. He's 17 years old. All his parents know is he bought a one-way ticket to L.A. They tracked his phone to somewhere in Santa Monica. He left his wallet on one of the buses. He threw his laptop into the ocean 
Does anyone out there know how to find it? I happened to be there. I knew the area well. And I said, well, let me let me go. Do you have a flyer? They had a flyer. He'd been missing for a couple of days. So I took the flyer down to a lot of the homeless folks there in Venice Beach. And honestly, I, I walked down, brought a flyer to a few people. Within a few minutes, some of these homeless guys came up to me and said, we know this guy. We saw him. He just arrived here. And if you come back tomorrow... He'll probably be here just, you know, coming back from the, the homeless shelter. I said, no way. It can't be the same kid. So I go down there. Sure enough, it was him. And his mom flew out overnight. I was able to cajole him back to my place and just keep him overnight. Uh, he had a mental breakdown. He was 17 years old. He just kind of lost his footing, went out there. He and I are still in touch, and he is incredibly grateful. I, I totally chalk it up to just an act of God. That it happened to found this guy because he was he was headed down here to San Diego into what they call the slabs, where a lot of homeless people just kind of meander down there. He was going to spend you know the rest of his life. He thought there, uh, shoeless and penniless, no laptop, no phone. Um, anyways, this this can really take something. And he was from a, a very strong middle class classical Christian family, and and he he lost it right. And a lot of mental illnesses stem from this. But, Leon, we were talking about, you know, some of the things that kids endure with the Internet and otherwise. And, Rebecca, tell me again, what what's really going on here? Because this is a, a growing issue here. It is a huge issue. I'm a school teacher. I've been a teacher for about 23 years. So I've seen the introduction of technology into the classroom. And then, of course, with COVID, uh, we saw an explosion of kids being online, having to use computers, obviously, to go to school. So we've seen an explosion of predatory behaviors of bad actors coming at our kids. Um, you talked a little bit at the top of the hour about this, the shooting that just happened, unfortunately, in uh, Nashville. And it's all interrelated. All of this is interrelated. Um, you know, we talk about school safety and security. We talk about how um, industry corporations, they have all these things put into place to protect their employees, harden their infrastructure, protect their uh, buildings. Mm. And we don't do that at schools. Or at home either, it's, yeah. It's nowhere to be found in schools. And so it's like we, we put all these kids on computers and then we follow it up with like, oh, we have to protect them. Oh, shoot, like we're coming in behind... Um, all of these bad actors that are infiltrating these computers that kids are on at home and, you know, they're meeting bad actors and then these bad actors are asking these kids to leave their homes or promising them the world. And that's the work we, we've gotten into is that we're just out there trying to help families recover these children who have left their homes. Can you give us an example, something maybe recent or otherwise where you know, this was the situation? Describe us how that happened. Sure. Um, well, currently we're working a case with the RAD movement. Um, Savannah Tejeda Rogers, she's 14. Um, she's currently missing, and we're looking at her social media. We're looking at her digital footprint. We're looking at um, her apps on her phone. We're, we're getting into you know school computers, and we're trying to figure out, we're trying to have the data tell us a story. And as that data tells us a story, we jump into action. And everyone on the RAD team has different skill sets. We bring different skill sets, Leanne and I do. Um, Shari's the head of that organization, and she's very effective. She's got great local law enforcement partnerships. She's worked tirelessly with local uh, school boards here. She's um, connected in the East County, talked to the Grossmont Union High School District, um, really gone in and made effective change and trying to get schools to 
listen to her, follow her lead, get us the information we need in order to go out and do our job and help support families and law enforcement to bring these children home. And Leon, you're an impressive guy sitting here in front of you, uh, former military, other well in the government. But uh, I'm, I'm guessing you you kind of help in the, the the last mile of this stuff here, or uh, you're able to track and maybe hold these things together. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Just a guess. Just a guess. I don't know. Just a guess. Yeah, um, I've I've spent a career um, hunting, you know, bad guys, uh, terrorists, um, you know, our adversaries that we have, you know, for the DoD, U.S. military. Uh, and now I've shifted focus. I've shifted focus to predators um, that are, you know, going after our vulnerable children. And it's very similar um, work. You know, the data um, tells a story, like uh, Rebecca said. Um, we have their phones and, uh, you know, communication happens a lot in social media. And it, it sometimes helps us uh, figure out, you know, where they're at or who they were talking to last, stuff like that. So, so yeah, yeah, I help out in multiple different ways. Um, you know, one of those is uh, more of a technical exploitation of devices, phones, computers. Mm. Uh, and then I also go do some, some groundwork as well. So the, the addiction obviously starts on the phone, but it's the one thing that actually becomes the breadcrumbs to help find them as well, ironically, right? Yeah, yeah. Most the, some digital device, some technology was involved in almost every single case that we, we have worked. And, and is this, you know, do you find uh, – as far as the the perp goes, the person who's sort of persuading this person elsewhere, is this like dating websites or online websites, or does this happen in person? Where do they where do they find this? Where, where does this happen? This sort of connection that's so uh, malward. Well, if parents are listening, the one thing I can say is that you have to get Snapchat off your child's phone. Snapchat is the number one used app that we find in our work that predatory people, predators um, use because it has a disappearing messages, disappearing pictures. There's a safety mechanism for kids to download pictures and lock it away from parent parental view. And that's a very dangerous app to have on a phone and it is what predators use and they seek out kids through that app. Um, all the apps are bad. Don't get me wrong. Instagram, that's bad for a minor to have on their phone. Um, any app that there's a communication, a two-way communication that you can send video pictures and messages. Yeah, it, it kind of messes with your brain there. I worked in, in quite a lot of time uh, with an anti-pornography group and I knew exactly what it did to kids' brains when mm-hmm. they had that. And the previous generation we had up through 2004 when parents finally started to get a little bit wise about that, that was like a, a lost 10 years there uh, because it's this free drug that's reusable and piped directly back into the home and it can can really mess with you. And then you add on to that the personal relationship side of it now and now it's it's an addiction plus a, a, a very dangerous potential relationship too. Right. Well, and we see too that that children don't have to seek out pornography on these apps, um, that it finds them. Mm. The algorithms will know it's a minor and they'll start to send them and plant that seed and drag them into um, stories that have pornography or suggestive content in that uh, to include suggestive content about you don't have what you need. You know, go find somebody who can provide that for you. So it's, it's this, you know, frog in the boiling water. Mm. You know, it's this slow boil where our kids are getting fed this information. And then before you know it, a predator's in their phone, uh, reaching out to them, finding that area where they're vulnerable, digging in on that, promising them the world. And the next, you know, we have a 14-year-old going out of the home. I mean, is this a slippery slope that parents can recognize? Or is it usually like parents are completely taken by surprise on this stuff? Most parents are taken by surprise on this. Um, it's, I was taking, 
we we personally have had um, issues with our kids uh, and social media and them them seeing things they shouldn't be seeing, passing things they shouldn't be passing yeah, to all their families. Friends. Yeah, yeah, and, and we do this work for. The last three years we've done this work. Leon's the uh, director of international um, operations for the National Child Protection Task Force as well. So he's doing this work. Our kids are very knowledgeable of this, and yet we still struggle with it in our own home. All right, we're going to come back in a minute. We're going to talk about some of the stories that are out there and also some of the steps that people can do to be involved in this, be the eyes and ears of this great organization, and also keep an eye out for the signs that your kid might be getting into this sort of thing. I have with me Leon Rebecca Worthen from the RAD movement, uh, and uh, excited to have you here. We're back on the other side of the break. Justin Hart in for Andrea Kay. Andrea Kay, telling you like it is, while eating a donut, too. It's the Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. Justin Hart, in for Andrea Kay. I have with me Leon and Rebecca Worthen, part of the RAD movement. And that's a great term for it. I'm an 80s fan, of course. Grew up in the 80s. It's RAD. And, uh... I'm imagining there's nothing more satisfying or rad than a successful rescue of one of these teens who's been led away. Can you share with us, tell us, what, what got this into you in the first place? I'm assuming there was some triggering event that maybe had a, a, a good or bad ending. But tell us about kind of what, what brought you to this, this point. Sure. Um, shortly after Leanne and I were first married, we talked about wanting to help our community and we talked about the trafficking issue in our local community. We started to study it. We started to learn um, about what was going on and just felt really called. We, we're, we have a faith and, and we felt the Lord call us to do this work. We agreed we're going to do it. We said, all right, God, put us to work. Four days later, my student went missing. And I thought, wow, that was fast. You know, be <laughs> careful what you uh, pray pray about and agree to. But um, shortly thereafter, we just we jumped in. Leon deployed his skill set. I used all of the things I know how to do as a teacher. We met with the parent, and we just started to do, you know, really under Leon's direction, like looking at data. And I really learned from him how data tells a story. Yeah. So uh, this this teenage girl, uh, we knew that she left in the middle of the night, and she actually had a friend sleeping over. She. So we know she was communicating in Snapchat uh, with the person that picked her up. So we were really pushing hard to have law enforcement uh, put in for a, a warrant to mm. get legal process return on the, the phone and find out who she was talking to because we knew that she was in over her head. Whether or not she decided that she was going to meet this guy outside um, and, and do the transaction that they were going to do, we knew that she was in over her head and that she was thrown into a lifestyle that she, she had no idea what she was doing. She was 15. Oh. Yeah, just turned 15. Just turned 15. Yeah. So so forensically digging through her phone, we were able to see a lot of, one, the risky behavior that she had been doing, uh, and two, all of the communication that was happening with you know adult males, mostly adult males, you know, um, meeting up with her and, and, and doing inappropriate things. And we were able to find, uh, and it wasn't easy. It wasn't like very apparent, uh, but we were able to conduct analysis and determine, you know, that it was more of a, a network um, of spotters uh, and 
recruiters, and they were actually trafficking her online. Really? An only OnlyFans page. So it wasn't just like some you know crazy uh, lonely guy. This was organized, and this was like planned. Very organized. It was very organized, uh, and they had handed her off a few times. She didn't even know that that was happening. Well, and I want to walk your listeners through, too, what we see in this work that we do with the RAD movement, with the National Child Protection Task Force, is that the law, SB 1322, decriminalized teen prostitution. And it did that in order to um, protect teens who are forced into trafficking from um, going through legal process, being arrested and having to see a judge and then maybe having a record. So the intent was good, but the outcome is bad. So the pimps know that. They know that this law exists and it protects them, really, because now they can force these teenagers into to prostitution and traffic them and there is no legal recourse for law enforcement to go in and remove them. So they can't go and say, I want a warrant for this phone, I want a warrant for no. this guy's travels because it's it's protected there, that teen is. Correct. And then what the predators would do are the gorilla pimps. They'll send in a Romeo pimp. So there's this law of discretion that DAs can use. It's a 10-year law. And if a minor is engaged in a sex, sexual relationship with an adult male, there's a 10-year law of discretion or rule of discretion, if you were not a law, not a, a, a law rule. And it gives the judge the ability to use discretion on whether or not the relationship was consensual. Oh. So DAs won't pick up cases in that case because they're they not can basically get out. You know, it's right. a get out of jail free card. So, and the, so they're the tip of the spear. And then that brings in the, uh, the, 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 the unwilling girl or the unwitting right. girl. And she, and then it's gone. She, she meets the Romeo pimp. Drugs. He, he drugs her. He rapes her. He gets her a set of nails, buys her food, gives her a couple bucks and then drops her off. When they drop them off, they've graded them. So the Romeo Pimp's job is to determine if they're going to go into... Holy cow. Keep, okay. Uh, <laughs> warning, folks. I didn't know you're coming into this. Quick going. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. No, it's good. Yeah, they need to hear this. So in San Diego County, there's a shanty, which is like a homeless encampment. There's an RV. There's hotel, apartment, home, and then oftentimes Riverside or Las Vegas. So depending on the girl, the Romeo Pimp kind of grades her, rates her, determines where she needs to go and then there's pimps at every one of those types of drop-off locations so the romeo pimp ditches the girl typically a girl we've seen it with boys too um the girl's you know feeling sad she's depressed she's you know they already know a lot about her because they learned about her online through their communications on snapchat or instagram and then here comes gorilla pimp i'm going to take care of you baby come with me i got you that gorilla pimp will take the girl into the shanty, the RV, the hotel, um, the apartment, and then start to traffic them, drug them, traffic them, drug them, traffic them. Oh, my gosh. And the cycle just repeats. Well, no, so I'm assuming if you know that much, you've taken down a few of these things and you've been able to sort of like dissect or reverse engineer that ant farm that's happening down below the ground that not a lot of us see. I'm hoping that means some of this has been taken down but then it just pops back up or what what transpires there what what how how do we crush this thing finally or is it just this is a tactic that's going to be around for a while unless there's other changes afoot it is a massive problem it, yeah it, yeah it's continuing to get worse you know obviously we talked about covid and the pandemic and you know being at home and alone in your room on digital devices was not helpful uh, but yeah no this 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 here locally san diego you know it's it is continuing to get worse. Um, I think you got to start at the top. You got to start with reform on some of these uh, some of these laws uh, to make them better for law enforcement to to utilize these laws to then help the kids to go after to start investigations to 
use their probable cause to then like like we said you know get warrants to get on the phones and look at it because the burden of proof right now is so so difficult yeah uh, to to say you have to witness a pimp exchange money with the john's hand you know like exchange hands with money it's like really that's not going to happen you're not going to see that you yeah. know uh, and you're not going to be able to see what's on their cash app or you know their venmo if you can't look at their phone what a crazy scene and so uh i mean how big are we talking here is this something that's happening daily around the area and i guess people are coming to you because they don't have that recourse in in law enforcement right i mean how many cases are you seeing on a on a yearly basis here how many people are coming to you with stuff the RAD movement, I think, to date has 27 um, successful recoveries mm. of minors and adults. Uh, when Shari started the RAD movement, she made sure that everyone mattered or no one mattered. That was her slogan. And so just that local organization with, you know, 10 really dedicated volunteers, and then we have kind of an army of volunteers ready to go, just depending on the situation, Uh have worked diligently with families because what happens is if a child goes missing and the family calls law enforcement right. and they think, okay, great, the sheriff's got it, you know, San Diego PD's got it. Well, they come, they take a report, and then they leave. And families go, well, what's next? And the cops are like, well, we have the report. And it's it's no to no fault of the cops. I mean, SB 543 is a law that allows children ages 12 and older to seek out mental health care under the umbrella of they can leave the house without permission to right. seek care. So it's it's a bill that really allows kids to run away. So, you know, we don't know why they ran away. They're allowed to run away. And so the police will take a report and, you know, they'll send out a bolo in some cases. And then parents well, their are, hands are tied on this thing, mostly. I mean, it just seems like it's a drastic, dramatic uh, shift from past times where, you know, if any of this can happen to my parents' generation, uh, that perp would not be around for long. I mean, they, yeah. they would come out there. But uh, there are so many legal protections that are involved in this thing now, and, and no one wants to be, you know, inject themselves into this, what sounds like a, a supply chain, right? Mm-hmm. This is awful. The the term runaway is a really bad term. Uh, it, it, it kind of implies that um, – the child decided to leave. They had good reason, whatever, um, and that they they got it under control. They don't. Every every minor that leaves their home is without resources and is vulnerable. And we've noticed that. And and to the scale of what you were talking about earlier, you were asking every kid that is out there on their own on the streets yeah. is extremely vulnerable to someone exploiting them, and you know to to rape to trafficking. And it happens. It happens to most of the kids that we've seen. Wow. And, you know, because you always picture a lot of trafficking conversations around what's happening south of the border and what comes up here. But the homegrown stuff is just, I mean, that's the stuff of movies. I'm thinking Liam Neesman's coming in here any minute to to kick some butt. And frankly, that's kind of my motivation right now, I'm feeling. But uh, I know that COVID, and, and those of you who listen to me know that, uh, that that's one of my main issues across the last three years. And one of the things that, that I talk about in my book called uh, Gone Viral is just how much this impacted our kids. And this is a, an issue that cuts across political boundaries. We believe that we missed about 250,000 cases of potential child and domestic abuse just in the spring of 2020 because it's typically sharp-eyed administrators and teachers like yourself, Rebecca, who catch these things out. 
And then even when the schools open, it's like how many how many bruises on mom's face did we miss because masks were required at drop off, right? And these are the things that no one thought about when they closed the thing down. And now the lag is catching up, and we're finding crazy things that can really impact people here. So, uh, gosh, I, I, you guys are doing God's work on this thing to try to chase these things down. What can people do to get involved and help you guys on this on this journey here? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, first and foremost, any donation to the Rad Movement, um, they are on Facebook, they're on Instagram. Um, they're never an organization that goes after donor- donors. They're the organization that we've recovered a kid. We need to get them on a plane. We need to get them out of the state to a, a healing ranch or to a place mm. where we can keep, keep them safe, get them the help that they need. Um, and so when that happens, there's a direct ask. I always think to myself, I wish we didn't have to ask. I wish we just had the funds to move. So donating to the RAD movement, they also have something called RAD bags. So one of Shari Finn's, uh, one of the most important things that Shari Finn does is she provides advocacy for families. So we rescue a child. Shari Finn's in the car. She's with the child. We go to Rady's Hospital. She's Uh. there every step of the way. And the RAD bags are filled with clothing items, books, pins, things, personal items that a child might need because oftentimes when we pick them up, they're in a... Because that's just the beginning, right? When you right. pick them up, I mean, the rest of it is like a lifetime sometimes sort of a, just rehab on this on this terrible incident that they've endured, right? Right. They're in a complete state of disarray when we recover them. And so even just flip-flops, a teddy bear, a journal, pins, yeah. um, to have a backpack full of things that they can take with them or have with them when they're allowed to have a shower um, and they're allowed to... to to get to bed, to have something, you know, that feels like home, that feels so, like a kid should have. So there's a Facebook page for Rad Movement. Mm-hmm. Where else can they find you guys online there? Uh, Instagram. TheRadMovement.org. The, the the yeah, and the TheRadMovement.org, there's a, a website there, too. Um, definitely a great local organization. Anyone that wants to volunteer to support the organization, um, you know, we never know. There was a, a young man who was lost on the trolley the other day, and... You know, we have a we have a bank of volunteers. We deployed those, but um, wow. East County Parents Alliance they got behind us. Uh, Santee uh, Santee Parent Group run by Tracy Thrill got behind us. They sent people volunteers out of the East County to jump on those trolleys and under Shari's direction, just went yeah. out and looked for kids. Looked Leon, for kid. anything happens to my kids, I'm coming for you to help me out because uh, I think that'll frighten the perp outs dramatically. We need that. Uh, parents, don't be afraid. You got this. Let's make it happen. Leon, Rebecca, thank you guys so much for coming in. The Rad Movement folks, find them online. This is Justin Hart in for Andrea Kay. Thanks, guys. AK, dynamite in a dress, or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her, she's on the answer, San Diego. Oh. No, I mean, did you know that was so prevalent? Was that. Oops, yeah. I got to turn my mic oh, on. Yeah, 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 I, crazy, knew, right? I knew it was a thing, especially south of the border and other right? areas, but here at home. I didn't know it was like that. No, I had no idea either. I didn't know. Like she, she described this entire supply chain, and I'm like, "Is that for real?" And I, I'm, I'm confirming it. This is, um, it's disturbing. It's upsetting. But it's also good to know that they have an organization like the Rad Movement. These kids on their behalf, fighting for them. Yeah, yeah. Bring Leon, and he's he's my uh, Liam Neeson every day. Yeah, taken. I'll, I'll I'll call him up. My goodness. Now look, this is these are these are really challenging moments, and. Uh, our kids just seem to be really set off in their own direction. I know 
COVID, as we talked about, was an exacerbating factor. In fact, uh, when I get off the, the show tonight, I'm going straight home, I'm helping the great Miss Jenny Hart pack. We're bringing three of our kids. We're headed to D.C., and we're going to spend all of Wednesday talking to lawmakers about our stories with COVID. And we're bringing 50 people with us. This is kind of like a, a, a you know, get to Capitol Hill, but not January 6th style. The old style where you actually set up appointments. So we have appointments one-on-one with congressional leaders, Rand Paul and others. And we're basically, you know, a lot of these people know what we're going to talk about, but we're going to make ourselves available to them. We're going to give them some information. There's only a few bills up there. Um, but, you know, some of this is the, the name of the event is Never Again, and it's from my group, Rational Ground. If you go to rationalground.com, you can find more information about that. We're kind of booked. So, But if you're in D.C., you know, tomorrow, our, our Wednesday night, we're going to have a little mixer there, and you're welcome to join us. But you, you look at the just the societal changes, and maybe our maybe our parents were doing the same here. You know, maybe the my, my parents, I know, would probably – you know, look, give me a side glance whenever I'd come home and say, awesome. Oh, that's awesome, mom. <laughs> or that's radical, right? <laughs> but uh, this seems, I don't know, this seems a little bit different, don't you think? No, I don't know what to make of that. Did you? Yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's just next level. You look at this. So, for example, people that identify as LGBTQ, okay? Tradition of the, the people born before 1945, the greatest generation, only about 0.8% of polls show that they identify as LGBTQ. Baby boomers, my parents, 2.6%. Gen X, my generation, I was born in the early 70s, 4.2%. Millennials, those are folks born 81 to like 96. It's like 10.5%, so big jump there. But the Gen Z, born 97 on, 20% of them identify as LGBT, and, and you know that that list goes on and on too. And uh, you know, I I don't know. Like I, I'm trying to be sensitive because I actually have direct family members who have been you know in, in this this vein, and we're on good terms and everything else there. But it you know I hope they forgive me. Sometimes it's really hard, right? Well, look how it's pushed out. I mean, I, I mean that's got to do be be part of it, Justin. It, it's ma- it's almost made as in this is a viable option for you, and your parents can have no say in it. Yeah, it's it's difficult. I know uh yeah, they like to someone I know has a girlfriend and it's not a girlfriend, it's their partner. They don't they refer they refer to them as partners, which is weird. But it's it's not a she, it's a they them. But that's weird because, you know, the only time you'll refer to they them or she her as I would usually say is in the third person when they're not present. And so it's this weird sort of language barrier where, you know, you'll get in trouble if you're using the wrong pronouns, but they're not there to complain about it. I don't know. And, and so I hope they'll forgive me. Like I grew up, I had an IBM XT computer, two half heights, got my nine and a half floppy drives for all you nerds out there. And I played Bruce Jenner's decathlon, right? And it's hard for me. It's hard for me to, to see, you know, to talk about her, Caitlin, right? Just it's just a natural thing, and so I hope kids forgive me on on some of the you know the way that I drag my feet. But some of the language too, it gets a little crazy. Like they got these words, I I don't quite know what to say. The the lit, lit you know that, that that's lit. I've started to use that. I understand that now. But slay, that's another one that's out there. Uh, sus, that took me a while, but now I I got the rhythm for sus right. Yeah, that one took me a while too. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, simp, I heard that the other day. I said that I don't. 
quite understand that. I looked it up. It's a term used to describe someone who is overly attentive or submissive to someone they are attracted to. For example, he is always going to impress her. He's such a simp. You know that one? Now you do. Okay. So you think these learn something new on the show every day, right? That's right. I, I, you know, it's it's difficult when you see these sort of generational things. But as I said. When it comes down to practice, right, they may identify in that, and I think it's it's mostly a sort of cultural contagion, right? They want to express sort of their support for people that are, you know, other. And so that's understandable. They want to do that. But in the end, when they do the polls later on, they find out uh, they really don't change their behavior that much. They all, they all may claim to be – the big phrase a few years ago was – uh, pansexual, right? Yeah, and, and then bisexual is back in in favor now. But now you know you that that list goes on. And when I say the list goes on, Noah, I, I'm not kidding you. So the 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 state of San Francisco, right, my hometown, uh, the city of San Francisco, is just a little bit crazy on um, some of their stuff there. So for example, uh, they have it now as part of uh, their routine where they want to uh, give a a universal basic income to people that are of a specific persuasion, sexually or marginalized or otherwise. And, and so to apply for that, you actually have to, you know, you have, they have a form that you can fill out that tells you exactly what, what you can and, and can't do. Okay. And uh, some of, here are some of the phrases. You've got cisgender woman, transgender woman. You've got uh, woman of trans experience, woman of history of gender transition, trans feminine, feminine of center, male to female, demigirl, t-girl. Uh, and then it goes on from here in in like manner. It's um it's crazy. And then actually it it gets worse because you've got umfume, makahua, bishne. These are all like the foreign versions of those things. Oh, that gotcha. you can, There are ninety three of these things. So applying to be one of these um you know disenfranchised sexualities, there there are actually ninety three different versions that you can go for. And I'm going to guess there's no universal income for the uh, regular man or woman. No, no, no. That's the those are the identify. Automatically filters you out there. I mean, it gets a little silly, right? I mean, it was as silly as just a few years ago when they tried to make all the uh, the real estate tycoons in San Francisco replace all of the windows in all of the buildings because too many birds were crashing into the windows. That would be a replacement of about uh, you know $7 billion. And luckily, they were able to talk about it. But now in San Francisco, whose population has now reduced to about, I think, by, by 10%, they're actually talking about reparation bills, right? Yep, they and are. It's like anything they can do to just like create that tension. I don't know why. We don't need that, do we? Oh, heaven help me. Justin Hart in for Andrea Kay. We'll see you after the top of the hour.